and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential, week 29, what a C-section is really like. Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks. I'm Dana Points. I'm the editor of Parents. And with me today is... I'm Chandra Turner. I'm the executive editor at Parents. And... Diane Dubrovner. I'm the deputy editor of Parents Magazine. And Diane is bravely volunteered to be our C-section case study for today because I cannot personally speak to a C-section. I didn't I didn't have one. I did not either. Last week, we talked about what you can really expect from a natural or unmedicated vaginal birth, but not all births happen that way. So we're going to continue on the path of getting you prepared for your big day and tackle the C-section, what really happens and how you'll recover from the surgery. It's always a good idea to go to birth prepared for anything because it's really almost impossible to predict how your labor and delivery is going to go down. The good news is if you do have a C-section, we live in a time when you have a very high chance of it going smoothly and you are going to deliver a bouncing, beautiful, healthy baby quickly and efficiently. And many moms now actually look back on the C-section experience as a positive one. But before we get into it too deeply, let's talk about something a little lighter, which is our favorite topic. How big is your baby this week? At week 29, your baby is the size of, come on, anybody? A butternut squash. We love squash. Butternut squash. (laughs) Yeah, we've had all different sizes of squash. Or cauliflower. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or one of my favorite things, a buttercream frosted birthday cake. Oh, those can come in lots of different sizes. And frostings. But note, I specify buttercream like frosting. Does that affect the size? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like buttercream. <laughs> anyway, if you want more details on what's going on with your baby this week, or even day by day, you can sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com slash pregnancy daily, and we'll give you the scoop. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. A C-section or a cesarean section is when a baby is surgically delivered through an incision in a woman's abdomen and uterus. Usually this happens with the mom awake, but completely numb from the waist down. Sometimes you know you're having a C. It's it's an elective C or, you know, your doctor's told you you're going to need one. Other times you get a C-section on a sort of emergency basis when something goes astray in the pregnancy or they discover that a vaginal delivery isn't possible or the baby is in some kind of distress. Whatever the reason, C-sections are super common. Nearly a third of all deliveries in the U.S. are by C-section. So if you've been telling yourself, oh, there's virtually no chance I could have a C-section, you would be wrong. Let's talk about what happens when you have one. I mean, Diane, did you know you were going to have a C-section or was it? um... I've had two C-sections. And the first one was a surprise and the second one was expected but also surprisingly early. Um, Mm -hmm. With my first 
daughter, I was two weeks late. I was 42 weeks. And I don't even think they let you go 42 oh weeks God. anymore. And actually, my father is an OBGYN, and he wasn't practicing obstetrics anymore. And he was saying, give her a C-section. Give her a C-section. And my <laughs> doctor said, every woman deserves the opportunity Chance. to go through labor. And so I was induced. And I had this prostin gel that they put on your cervix first. And I chugged along overnight, and then they gave me Pitocin, and then I went into labor, and then the baby's heart rate went down significantly, and they decided that the baby was in distress. So I had a C-section then, and it turned out that the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck three times. Oh, my God. And so she couldn't go anywhere. Every time she tried to move, she was stuck, and so she stayed there, and everything turned out fine, and she was perfectly healthy. But I have positive memories of my C-section. I remember saying that was rather civilized, Mm -hmm. and I didn't go into the process having these idealized vision of what my labor and delivery was going to be like. And she, the baby was here, and that's really what mattered. And I remember my husband sitting next to me. You know, They put a curtain up sort of right in the middle of your chest, so you can't see any of the operation going on. You could sort of see the doctor and the nurse's heads. And when they were sewing me up, my husband was holding my daughter right next to me, sitting next to my head. And I thought that was actually really sweet, and I got to see her. The cool thing now that they offer in many hospitals when they do a C is instead of a curtain that you can't see through, they use a clear drape. And so that way you actually get to see the baby come out. So just to walk you through what might likely happen if you're going to have a C-section, if like Diane, you've been through, you know, an effort to have labor, you might learn that you're having a C-section after you've already been given an epidural. But if you haven't had any anesthesia and you need a C-section, you're going to get a spinal, an epidural, or in rare cases, a general anesthetic. If you don't already have a catheter in, you're going to have a catheter placed, and that's a tiny tube that's going to collect the urine while you have no control over your bladder. And then your doctor makes an incision in the abdomen wall. Now, the most common type of incision is a horizontal one. It's called a bikini cut, and it's just above the pubic bone. In an emergency, you're probably more likely to have a vertical incision, which goes from your belly button down to the pubic area, because that's going to get that baby out faster. I had a bikini incision, and yeah. I, mine was a, and yours was a relative rush, emergency. Rush. So yeah, so it's it could be either one, and, and and the bikini is definitely more common. So then, after they make that external incision, they're going to make an incision in the uterine wall, and the doctor is going to suction out the amniotic fluid and deliver the baby head first, so that the baby's mouth and nose can be cleared, so that it can breathe. And then once the baby's out, you're going to get to see her. In your case, was your daughter like passed off to the nurse? You think she cleaned her up and then gave her yes. back to your husband? I yeah, think that, you know that's, that's pretty the, typical. The sewing up process does take about 15 minutes or so, so there's some some time right. for them to clean the baby up and then right, pass and then her you off. get to be distracted by her. <laughs> and they have can. to get your placenta out, and there's this sort of this bizarre tugging sensation that you feel because you are. You know, there is anesthesia going on, but you do feel yeah. some sort of activity yeah. going on Although down having, there. Although having had the placenta delivered after a vaginal birth, I can tell you, like, they're like, okay, now it's time to deliver the placenta. And and then we're going to lean like hell on your abdomen until it comes out. <laughs> so so it's not like, you know, it's any more blissful. And I mean, at the end of the day, you don't notice that you're completely distracted by this baby. So, you know, after they deliver the baby and they pass it off to the nurse, just the way they would if you had a vaginal delivery, you get that placenta out and then get stitched up. And 
that's kind of the, the yeah. step by step. Hopefully there's not too much mystery now for you. I do so. My second time, I went to my last visit and they determined that I didn't have enough amniotic fluid left. And they said, you're going to have your baby today. And I was, I had a week left to work. I wasn't ready. And, you know, I wasn't in labor. I was just going and I had to walk into the operating room by myself. I remember I was naked, lying on the table. Oh, my God. That's really, terrible. really strange. And then the anesthesiologist came in and gave me my spinal. And it was sort of like, hey, you're walking to your own C-section. And then it proceeded sort of similarly after that. But the idea that you could actually walk in. Yeah, it was weird. Bizarre. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about the recovery because it can be tough, right? I mean, you've had essentially abdominal surgery, which is one of the harder ones to recover from. The most important thing is to try to move as much as you can as, as soon as you can. I mean, Which you is really, kind of probably the last thing you want to do. Yeah. You, know, you could definitely lie there in bed and you get some extra time in the hospital. But the, the key is to really just try to sit up as soon as you can and to swing your legs around and to stand up. And I remember walking up and down the hallway in the hospitals probably on day two, mm-hmm. I think. And I have to say it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think being somewhat in shape before you deliver probably helps. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, you can't go up and down stairs. So that means before you're left alone with that baby, you're going to need to have all your kind of equipment on one floor in your house if you have a multi-floor house. Right. But you definitely do deserve a little extra help and someone to bring you the things that you need when you need them. And I think you do, as you said, you do get to stay in the hospital longer. Like with an uncomplicated vaginal delivery, I think you have to be out by 48 hours, right? And then if you have a C, it's at least 72 hours. And the advantage of that is that your milk is more likely to come in while you're in the hospital. Sometimes you can go home before you've actually really had the milk come oh, in yeah, and, right. and have the to opportunity me. to really nurse. And I remember when my milk came in, I was there and there was a nurse there who was really able to help me. So I was appreciative of that. That's fantastic. And then you miss the episiotomy. Let's look on the bright side. Yes. That's true. Or tearing. Some, you know, sometimes now the philosophy is just let the person tear and uh, probably not a lot of pain during the birth because you are, you know, numb from the waist down. So... There's some some positives to that. I do know that the, the women who are really the most wiped out are the ones who really go through a long labor. And then at the at the end of hours and hours and hours and hours, it turns out that they need a C-section. And so then they sort of have the double whammy of having been through the exhausting process of labor and the surgery. So that I think that's the toughest situation. So listeners, what do you think about a C-section? Are you already planning one or are you eager to avoid one? Tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax You've Got This is about the dreaded varicose veins, what they're like, how to avoid them, and whether there's something you can even treat. If you've noticed bluish, reddish, or purple lines or bulges on your legs during your pregnancy, it's probably varicose veins. And this is super common. It's a mix of... The uterus, as it grows with that baby in there, is putting more pressure on your lower body because varicose veins are are really lower body stuff. You have all this blood volume, blood circulation that's happening because you're pregnant. And then these veins run in the family. So if your mom had them when she was pregnant or has them now, you might have them too. They're most common in the legs, but you can also get them in, of all places, the vulva or the rectum. Now, when they're in the rectum, they're called hemorrhoids, which I did not know that a hemorrhoid was really just a varicose vein. That I did not either. A hemorrhoid by any other name. 
No. Piles. I was, I was right. <laughs> I was going to get poetic, but I just couldn't. I couldn't get poetic. So you might not feel them. I can't remember which pregnancy it was, but I was... <laughs> The doctor, I went for a checkup and she's like, wow, you have quite a hemorrhoid there. I'm like, really? I had no idea. So you might not feel them or they can be itchy and sore like the way that the classic hemorrhoids are. They're not pretty. You know, they're bluish, reddish. But the good news is they usually go away after you deliver. So how do you prevent them? Don't sit or stand for long periods without taking a break. Try not to sit with your legs crossed. Try to put your feet up as much as possible. Elevate your legs on pillows when you're in bed. You can go out and get a pair of those very attractive granny style compression stockings. And then it might seem weird to say this because we've been talking about, you know, not standing too much, but exercise, right? You need to get the blood flowing because it's pooling in those veins. So I did not have varicose veins. Did either of you guys? I, I, we, we just, I they have don't something run that I family. think they like to call spider veins. Mm. It's not quite varicose, like little yeah. teeny tiny ones on the side of my legs. Yeah. Those got worse. They but, got worse. But they weren't really unsightly. Unrelated, but sort of related. I had strange tingling electrical shock things at my legs when I was pregnant. Also apparently really normal. Now, if they don't go away after you've had your your baby, there are treatments for them. It's not like just a cream that you rub on. It's kind of surgical. So I guess if they're not painful and you think like you're going to get pregnant again, maybe try to wait until you have your next child because then when the dust settles, you can figure out whether you really want to go through the trouble of having them fixed. It's not always surgical. Like Sometimes they use lasers, and I think the small ones, they yeah. inject saline solution yeah. into them. That's true. I just, I'm thinking about that stripping yeah. procedure. That, I sorry, can't I even want to even about use it. that word. I don't know why. I can talk but, about birth and everything else, but like stripping of your veins. That just sounds gotta, terrible. Yes, it does sound terrible. Um, and it's expensive. And in some cases, it's considered cosmetic. So you can just forget about that getting covered. They can be unsightly and they can hurt sometimes, varicose veins. But if, you know, if it's just during your pregnancy, just wait and see. It might, it might go away all by itself. And it's not super serious. So you can relax. That's it for Pregnancy Confidential for today. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. We hope you'll let us know what you think of the show. Find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine, Facebook at facebook.com slash Parents Magazine, or Instagram at, of course, Parents Magazine. And if you like the show, I hope you'll tell a friend and subscribe to us for yourself in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a rating because ratings are one way that other people learn about us and and we want to reach them. Unlike other podcasts, you don't need to wait a week for the next episode. If you want to take a look at what might be right around the corner in the next few weeks, go ahead. Listen right now.